Welcome in to another edition of the Cattails podcast, the Weber State Athletics podcast. I'm Paul Grew, Director of Athletic Communications, joined by the voice of the Wildcats, Steve Clowkey. And today, Steve, our special guest, doesn't he just look good? He looks like he's retired. He's got no cares in the world. He's retired head coach, former Weber State coach. <laughs> coach, uh, you do look relaxed, and uh, you know, and all the burdens are off right now. You get a chance to, to, to think about things other than basketball. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been kind of fun to be honest with you. There are some uh, little stress free, a little more stress free, not worried about getting the next recruit and guys coming back for the summers. But uh, but of course, there's some other things. Then you got to start figuring out, you know, like when am I going to get the lawn mowed? <laughs> Do I have to weed eat it because I hate doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, make sure the garbage is out. So there's some stress involved with that because if I don't get that done on time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear about it from the other half, that's for sure. See, I eliminated that stretch. I have a company that comes at, at $29 a week, mows the lawn, does the edging, does everything for me. See, you're way ahead of me. I begged for that for years, but my wife's like, why would we spend, we had to waste money. <laughs> and I had the kids do it before, right? But mm-hmm. now they're out of the house, so that goes falls back on me. But uh, but it's all good. It's all good. And, uh, you know, we've just uh, actually played golf yesterday afternoon. No, it's been good, though. So since you made that decision, yeah, have you really, have you ever thought, oh, did I make the right decision? Or have you just thought, this is really, I just, I'm ready for this? I have, I have not. I have not gone back and thought, God, this is, you know, maybe I screwed this deal up. No, not at all, really. It's been, and I think I knew when we made the decision, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, that, the next day, I remember waking up and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. And uh, Laura and I felt the same way, felt very, very much at peace. And never really since then have thought, gosh, premature or anything like that. So, no, I think I haven't felt that way at all. And, uh, you know, so uh, I think it's been good. And I think we made the right decision for sure. And Laura feels the same way. I know you made this decision really quickly. But over the last couple of years, have you started kind of planning when you might retire, or when you think you'd be ready to go, or was it just staying in that moment in the grind at the time? Yeah, I didn't really do that. Um, you know, I always kind of, you know, I'd talked to some people that have retired, some coaching friends of mine, and in my mind, I thought, at, at first, you know, I'd say about seven, eight years ago, I'd say, I'll, I'll probably go to him 65. I was never going to be a lifer. I knew that. Uh, the grind has been, and I've put a lot into it, but... And then I kind of thought, maybe, you know, 64, you know, and then maybe 63. I thought, I, that's popped into my head, mm-hmm. but I never acted on that or anything. It was like, hey, let's get on to the next thing. And, and, then, uh, and then obviously it hit, uh, it hit us pretty good a couple of weeks ago when we decided to go. So, um, yeah, I never really had that in mind. I did, I did know I was never going to be a lifer. That, I, I didn't want to be walking the sidelines when I'm 70 plus. I knew that. So, uh, you know, we just... We maybe moved it up a year or two from when I kind of initially thought. You know, it's interesting. I thought maybe when you did retire that uh, obviously Laura's retiring as well, that maybe, you know, maybe she would go one more year as an official so you could follow her around and cheer for the official while she's working. You know, I've asked her that now because she loves what she's doing. And uh, I told her, I said, hey, if, if I retire, it doesn't mean you have to retire. And uh, I will. I'll go follow you around. and do all that and she uh, she says well that's it's not going to happen because I, I don't want to do it anymore either but it was uh, it was interesting because she she absolutely loved her job here at Weber State you know she's been here 16 years and uh, supervising student teachers and teaching basketball and all that and and she she loved it and uh, so it was a sacrifice a little bit of a sacrifice but uh, 
But it would be kind of fun to just travel around and yell at her and, you know, your <laughs> reps suck, <laughs> you know, and then see how that works at home when we got done, <laughs> uh, which wouldn't go well. Yeah. But, but, uh, but now we're, we're going to kind of do it all together. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is kind of ties into that. Because now you're no longer the head coach. You know, when you're the coach, we want to make sure you, you know, we don't think you to answer things you don't want to answer. But now you're not. We can ask you whatever we want, right? So yeah. When you're in the moment, did you really hear fans cheering, either especially opposing fans? Did you hear them talk to you and yell at you? Did you, or were you just so focused that you didn't hear that stuff? I would say every once in a while you'd hear it. The you Randy stand-up kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The midget, the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> I got that a lot, and I thought that was kind of cool or kind of funny. So I'd laugh at a few of the fans when they came up. With, I'd give them a thumbs up if they had a good one. But actually, overall, not that much, you know. But when you go to uh, some of the opposing arenas in the uh, Big Sky, there's not a lot of people there. And so it's not like it's this overwhelming, yeah. ah, it's so you do hear more and uh, i specifically remember portland state a few years ago in the old gym they had and uh it was a close game coming down the stretch and i was getting on the officials or doing something and and i heard somebody got up and just blasted me and i that one kind of <laughs> and it wasn't i can't repeat what they said but uh but overall you don't you don't accept uh you know, especially when you're in the heat of the moment, it's a close game and you're trying to figure out strategy and all that. Now, if we're, if we're like blowing somebody out, you know, and you're not quite as on edge about it, you hear it. But, but overall, um, you do hear the noise, like especially at home. You know, we've had great crowds over the years. And, and uh, when you, you know, let's say it's a close game and you're making a run and you start to hear the, uh, the crowd go and, and even in timeouts, you know, you notice, God, it's pretty loud in here. I did notice that. You know, but you mentioned Portland State, and I'm thinking, you know, in my seven years of being able to do the games, uh, seen a lot of exciting plays, but Portland State, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in a Weaver State basketball game was you saving a kid from running out onto the floor and getting run over by a player. <laughs> <laughs> this kid comes running down the stand, all of a sudden, you know, mom's not paying attention, all of a sudden, you have to make a diving catch to keep him uh, from getting run over. I remember that, the little guy was right there, it shocked me, I saw him, and the play, the, the action was going on, and, and it was like coming his way, or he was going that way, and I just, uh, just, gosh, hey, hey, pal, come here. So I had to pick him up and get him out of there and so he didn't get trampled or run over. And uh, I actually talked to the, the, the mom came down after the game and thanked me for that. But, uh, yeah, I was like, that was one of the weird ones, that's for sure. So the referees, you got, I mean, being around here so long, you got to know the majority of them probably pretty pretty well on a, almost on a name-to-name -name basis, you know. You'd, you'd see them and you'd know them, but... A lot of interactions that you had with them, right? Um, what was kind of your strategy of how you interacted with the refs when you knew, hey, they'd made a couple bad calls, but I don't want to get, you know, how'd you interact with them? How'd you try to do it to your favor? Yeah, I did. I, I never had it planned out. I never had, like, I and mean, I've talked to buddies that have been head coaches before, and they say, hey, I'm going to work this official before the game. I got to do something. I never, and be honest with you, and uh, they always let us know who the officials are going to be ahead of time, like through an email yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. and I have deleted never, it. Never I it. never wanted to know who the officials were coming in. I didn't want to have pre-game stress thinking this guy might screw us or whatever, which they did never do on purpose. Mm -hmm. But uh, So I never had a strategy. I just kind of coached as the game went on and coached how you felt. And, 
Um, I always, I, I always did, and I tell my staff there'd be certain guys that when they walked on the court, I would tell them, "Hey, you guys need to settle down now, because this, if we get too crazy, it could go the other way on us." So there are certain guys. Told my staff, and I told myself, "Hey, I'm gonna just back off a little bit," and and then, uh, but I always, I, I tr truly always wanted to try to be fair, and uh, and not just and not just be on you know the whole game. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of officials. My wife tells me that the guys that are just every call, and I've got some buddies that were always like that. And I tell him, man, and after the game, if I coached against him, I say, man, you just, you, can, you bitch on every call. <laughs> it gets irritating. But uh, I didn't want to be one of those guys. And I tried to be fair. And I'd lose, I'd lose it once in a while, obviously. But uh, I just think trying to be fair with them because, you know, with Laura being an official, she really helped me understand what they see and, and how they go about their business. And it, she helped me, you know, a lot of times when you see a, a bad call, you look at the one guy and you think he was responsible for the call and you start getting on him and she'll say, hey, that's not his call, that's this guy's call. And so I saw the game a little bit differently through her eyes a little bit. And, I, and whether I was easy on him or not, I tried to be fair and, and that's all you can ask for. And, and I've said some things that I've really, there's been times when I've really lost it. I remember a game at Montana State a few years ago and I was relentless on the officials, and they are good guys. And I think 90% of the guys that I've had are really good guys, and they try really hard, and they got a hard job, but I was really relentless, and I felt really bad about it. So I went to uh, Bobby Dibler, I got their cell phone numbers, and uh, I texted them like the, the next day and apologized, because I did, I felt bad. I, I, that wasn't fair, and if, if ever I wasn't fair, I would let the officials know that I wasn't fair. Think they, uh, I think they respected that a little bit. You know, sometimes speaking of officials, there's a situation either to fire up your own team or show your team that you have their backs where you want a technical. You, you're, you're trying to fire them up. And the one that comes to my mind uh, was a couple of years at Sacramento State after a, a horrible call. I don't remember what it was, but uh, you eventually got what you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. Does that happen? How that. often did that happen? You know, not a lot. There was times when I just, I, went, I can't remember where we were at. It wasn't Sac State, it might have been Northern Arizona. But we were, it was tough and we were playing good and then we weren't playing good and, and uh, our team was getting a little flat because we had a big lead, we lost the lead and I needed to kind of, and, and that was the only time that I can really remember. And I went to the official and I says, I need a tea. And, <laughs> and he goes, he looks at me like, what, what? I says, hey, I'm, I'm gonna really go crazy here. I'm gonna throw up my arms. And I says, but I need a tea. And uh, he says, all right. So I went, and I wasn't really saying much. I was like, hey, hey, hey. He gave me a tea, and then I went into the timeout and said, yeah, see, the officials are on, right, we got to come in, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it worked or not, but that was the one time I do remember. So I kind of told the guy I was going to get one, and, but uh, not much. You said you never going to get thrown out. You never did. Yeah. You probably yeah. got close, yeah. maybe. Yeah. That was one yeah. thing you made sure you State of the game. Yeah, yeah. The word, the the closest I ever came to being thrown out was uh, was at Bakersfield a long time ago. It was like my second or third year, and we had an official down there, and it was a hard fought game, and and he was making calls and then looking at me like, "Hey, I got you again. Uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna stick it to you a little bit." And and oh, I, I lost it. And uh, second half. You know, he made some call, and we weren't getting a good whistle whatsoever. And and uh, he made another call, and he kind of smiled at me, and 
and I knew what he was doing. He was a local guy. Mm. I mean, he's from the area. And I, uh, we had a timeout, and I lost it. I remember Steve Panos was playing for me. And he was at the free throw line on timeout, and I ran after him. And uh, I don't know what would have happened if Steve hadn't grabbed me. <laughs> I might have been fired. Um, but Steve grabbed me, and he said, ah, and I, I, he gave me one tee. And then Steve let go, and I was going to the timeout, and I went back out, and I I'd really lost my mind. And my team grabbed me again, thank God. But that was the closest I think I've ever come getting thrown out. So, no, but never did. And I don't think I've had a whole lot of tees throughout no. the years. Mm -hmm. I think I've been pretty pretty well on the down low on that. Well, Steve and I have been lucky enough to sit right next to you at many, many games and just watch how it, how it all plays out. And, you know, you can tell when the your intensity levels just go up and down a lot. And I don't know mm -hmm. how you do that. And when the team comes out and struggles, right, and you can just get them in the timeout and blast them. And, I mean, how do you... You know, I know you don't plan that kind of yeah, stuff out. Yeah. How does it? How does it come? How do those emotions? How do you handle all those emotions? Well, you just you just try to read what your team needs. You know, and uh, there's times when the team needs to be calmed down. You know, and there's times we go into a timeout, and you can just tell they're a little bit too amped up and playing tight. And that's when you got to go in and have a little fun and just say, "Hey guys, we're good. We are so good. We're going to make some plays, and we're going to go win this game. We're gonna, we're right where we want to be." And then there's times when you feel like you've got you've, the team's lost their intensity a little bit, or, or the fight that they need to have, and that's when I lose it because that's what we're all about. We're going to fight. We're going to be competitive. We're going to be together. When I don't see those things, then that's when I really get on the team. And um, and so it is. It's an it's a wide array of emotions, even throughout a single game where things are going well. You like how the team's playing and and everything that they're doing and. And then there's times when you don't, you know, and there's a lot of times early in the game when you can just sense how your team has come out. And I'll call timeouts. I've done it throughout the years where you call timeouts in the first four to five minutes and just say, hey, we ain't going there tonight. This is not us. We, we need to pick this up. There's been times, I haven't done it for a while, when I've actually subbed five in and five out. And uh, I remember there was a game at Southern Utah. It was my first year. And we went down there, and it was not going well, and our starters were not playing well. And I said in the second, I told my staff in the second half, I'm done. I, I ain't gonna, and we, we were still enough in the game to have a chance. And uh, I took out the starters and for most of the second half, and I played the guys off the bench. And I remember it was, <laughs> it was David Patton's uncle, I believe. He was, the kids, the starters are on the bench, and the subs are out there playing, and we're not going to win. And I thought, I'm going to make it a point to my team. I, I'll, I'll sacrifice the loss, but we're going to get this stuff right. And <clears throat> David, I think it was David, I think it was David, I don't want to throw him under the bus. He's a great dude, by the mm -hmm. way. I love David's family. But I think he stood up and yelled, Coach, your best players are on the bench. You can't win. I says, not tonight. They're not my best players. <laughs> and I screamed right back at him. And I said, and we just, we kind of took one for the team. But it kind of, I think it helped, helped our team down the road. It's, hey, we're not going to put up with this stuff. Speaking of David Patton, uh, he and I have been on the broadcast for the last seven years, and one of your old trademarks, obviously not the last couple of years because everything's gone casual, was you start the game in your sport coat, and at some point early on, oh, boom, it was yeah. off. Was there a strategy to when that coat came off, or was it just something that you did subconsciously and didn't know you were doing? No, I knew I was doing it because I, hate I hated wearing a coat. I, I just hated it, and I sweat and all that kind of stuff. So it was usually after the tip. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
you know, and I just, I put it on and hey, you're supposed to dress like this and whatever. And I hated ties and I hated coats. And so it was just something I felt more comfortable, you know, more free, I guess. And so as soon as the tip went up, I just got rid of it and threw it. And and uh, so, yeah, I just, it was just basically a comfort thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. you know? Well, these last two years have been great then. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I've loved it. I mean, after the year of COVID when we did go casual and I remember uh, teams were talking about, are we going to stay casual? We're going to wear suits. I told my staff, I'll never wear a suit again. So I loved it the last couple of years. It fit, fit, fit me a lot better for sure. We're talking about motivating uh, your players. Currently, if I'm wrong, I think there was a story early on after a bad loss that you did something in the locker room and you shut the players out of the locker room, something along those lines. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times. Um, I've done a couple, few things after some bad losses. Haven't, really, I haven't had to do it re uh, recently but yeah I got upset I can't remember when or who we were who we were playing but I I remember uh, you know after the game with my staff I said these guys they don't deserve to wear Weber State gear right now and we didn't perform the way Weber State needs to perform so I want the locker room locked and I want them the practice gear is locked up we ain't giving them that they can go dress in their own stuff and they can do it in the restroom and until we practice like a Weber State team is going to practice, they aren't allowed in a Weber State locker room. And, uh, and we did it. And I think it lasted two days. And uh, the guys got the point. And we had two great practices and uh, kind of got things turned around a little bit. And that's a little bit extreme. And, and uh, I haven't, like I said, that's been a long time uh, that I've done that. And, and there's certain other times where I've, you know, after a tough loss, where I brought them in at 6 in the morning the next day. And, and uh so hey, sometimes you got to put your foot down and say hey, we got to draw a line in the sand. We're either going to play like Weber State's supposed to play, or we're not, and we're going to prove it up at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to find out who really wants to do this and do it the right way that I think is the right way. And, and I've had a couple, a few of those, and uh, we had the one after BYU for sure that I'll never forget. And I told my staff we're going to get up. That was Damien's mm -hmm. first year, and. Uh, and so I was really upset. Not that we lost to BYU, it's how we lost. We quit. Uh, the last 10 minutes we gave in, and I was so upset after the game and told my staff, tell them we're meeting at 6, and we're walking down for practice. And uh, I told my staff, we're going to lose We're gonna lose some guys today, but I don't care. I don't care. We're going to find out who's going to put it out there and who's going to do it the way we want to do it. We only lost one, um, but I also found out what Damian Lillard had in the tank. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if we we're going to lose him or not because we did some tough things. We went six in the morning, we went four in the afternoon, came back and went six in the morning, went four in the afternoon. It wasn't about basketball, it was about competing and toughness and fighting each other, but then coming together. And uh, it was hard. It was the hardest thing, I, two, two days of practice, I think we ever did. And boy, oh boy, did he step out. I, I walked up after that first practice and uh, I said, well, this one kid's going to be coming in to see me. He won't be here any longer because he gave in. And I said, but we found us a dude. <laughs> we found us a dude because Lillard went to a new level. Mm -hmm. Well, you almost lost him over a headband. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, over the recruiting thing, he always wore a headband. And uh, I didn't like him. You know, I'm old school, and I wanted everybody to look the same and dress the same. And and all that, and I think the story's been out there a long time, but uh, my assistant, Jeff Lidner, who was really, you know, helped me recruit him, and it was the lead recruiter on Damien, he asked me that when we are going into the, I think it was going into the home or maybe on the plane, whatever, he says, what if Damien says, I'll come, but I want to wear a headband? 
I says, oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't come to that. We don't need that. And uh, sure enough, the turkey, he, uh, <laughs> we got done with the home visit and he walked up to me and I didn't know what was gonna happen. He says, coach, I just got one question for you. And he says, if I come to Weaver State, can I wear a headband? And I just went, oh, <laughs> lying in the sand, right? Mm -hmm. And I looked up and I said, you know what, Damien? I don't like headbands. I like everybody. We're a team and we're going to stick together. Everybody's going to look the same and all that kind of stuff. And Damien sold it pretty good. He put his head down like he was really disappointed and kind of walked away a little bit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just lost this kid over a headband. <laughs> you know, maybe the top recruit we've ever had. And he came over and he put his hand, arm around me. He says, Coach, you think I give a damn about a headband? <laughs> and I was like, thank God. I'm coming to Weaver State. And I was like, oh, thank God. But that's who he is. Mm -hmm. You know, once mm -hmm. you really get to know him, mm -hmm. he didn't care. He was, he's a quality guy. You know, uh, in, in all college sports, uh, the games themselves are the end all. That's what success is determined by. But I get the feeling, having been around you for seven years now on a full-time basis, that uh, um, You'll miss practices more than you will games. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I love practices. I just love the getting after guys and the intensity and the energy of it and getting guys. You know, the thing that one of the main reasons I got into this profession is to help kids get better. And I love it when I see kids improve, you know, and uh, the practices are where you get better. And, the, and the, even the player development this summer, I love that part of it because you just see the progress kids are making. And I love, I just love practices and I, I, I just, I hate it when they're over, you know, and, uh, and the games, yeah, you know, games, you gotta, you gotta have them, but, uh, and I, I enjoy the games too, to a certain point, but, but just watching kids improve. And I, you know, somebody asked me, who do you think is the one kid? And we've had just great kids in our program, but somebody asked me, who's the kid that maybe made the biggest jump since you got him to, and I said, I've had a whole bunch of them. Uh, because a lot of these guys are playing high level professionally. But the one that sticks out to me is Joel, Joel Ballenboy. Mm -hmm. When Joel got here, um, he could jump, he could rebound, he could dunk it, and he could block shots. But he couldn't make a pass. He'd, he'd throw the ball to the other team more than he'd throw it to us. And I remember telling him as a freshman, I says, Joel, just please, we're wearing white. Please throw it to the guys that are wearing the white uniforms tonight, you know? <laughs> and his skill level just wasn't very good. But he had a tremendous work ethic, uh, incredible person. He just wanted to get so good, just a sponge. And then to see where he ended up his senior year, he's making threes. He's got post moves inside. He's making plays off the bounce. And he was so far away from that his freshman year. And, uh, and I've had a lot of guys that made great improvement. But for some reason, he sticks out to me a little bit. Getting back to the practices again, too, the, the thing is that I noticed, and I, I don't go to, get a chance to go to as many as I want to, but when I am there, there's no wasted time. Everything is boom, 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 boom. You have a list. You have things you want to do. And, and I've been around a couple of other programs where that's not always been the case. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I just got, I got to stay on task, and I've told my team when we go to practice, so we're not there to mess around. We're going to... You know, I'm not going to practice that long. I don't, I don't believe in three, four-hour practices. I do believe in coming in, having a plan, being organized in detail in your plan of what we got to get better at today. And every practice, I always tried to start with telling the team, this is what we're going to get better at today. So let's focus on this, and then we're going to go. And uh, I hate water breaks, even though we got to take them quick, but I'm impatient. Hey, 
let's get one thing to the next and next and next. I just love the energy. You know, sometimes if you if you have too big of breaks and all that, the energy drops in practice. I was always about intensity and energy in our practices. I always felt the best way to maintain that was just keep keep going and keep the guys on task and keep them concentrating and focused and and that's something we always tried to do and then be really detailed like I said and organized in what we want you know I never wanted to go out there and the kids are like I wonder why we're doing this drill and I, and I would always explain to them we're doing this because of this okay this is how why we're doing this and uh, so let's focus on what we're trying to get better and accomplish in this drill today and so and then at the end of practice I'd always tell them I says hey we got better at this but this didn't get good enough and so I think when you explain to kids what you're really trying to do and uh, understand what they're doing, you know, and why they're doing it, I think they make better improvement. You know, uh, the one thing, uh, shoot-arounds, and, and Paul, you've seen this too, is uh, the one thing that I was disappointed in this year was the first year that I've been here that you didn't win the half-court shooting contest. I didn't win one this year. At I least not while I, not on the road while I was there. And, and that I was always, it. you always got pumped up when you hit those. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I, I always <laughs> wanted to win those things. I wanted to win everything, but... I, yeah, I don't remember I didn't win one this year, but I usually win a couple of years. Sure. You know, so it was, uh, but yeah, I, I never practiced as much. Mm -hmm. I used to practice a little Did bit. You? Yeah, when I was younger, I'd practice, but I never got any practice in. So, but uh, yeah, those are always fun when you knock one down and win the deal. Talk a little trash. Absolutely. You know, talk some trash now. So you talked about it this week in your retirement press conferences about how this was just a grind, 24-7, 365, right? Just... Could never really get a break from it. I know you did some things and you did vacation stuff still, but it's always with you. Um, during the season and when you're in that grind of, you know, you got Thursdays and Saturday games, how was it? Did you ever, was it possible for you to relax or find some time to at least stay somewhat normal? It was hard for me because uh, I've always kind of been on edge and uh, it's hard. One thing we used to do, Laura and I used to do, every Sunday we would go to a movie and that was my way of, kind of getting away from it and get a good movie and dive into that and and hopefully not you know give your thoughts a break I guess but that was the one way we did it and uh but otherwise you know I it, I I was totally consumed and even as an assistant before I became a head coach I was totally consumed where every you know you even in June July May when you're supposed to be in your off season a little bit. Now, June and July anymore, you're not mm -hmm. because you can coach the guys the last few years. And I've loved that. But May was always the month when you could relax and we'd take a vacation. And and to this day, I still feel guilty about it when we would take a week and, and we'd get out there, Laura and I, and maybe the boys. And I wake up in the morning and the first thing I thought was, okay, what's, what's, what's going on with our team? And the last thing you think about before you go to bed is team. And, you, and, and I remember Laura, early in my uh, coaching career at Weber State, she'd get, she'd get upset at me, like, you're not even here. You know, you're, you're, you're not here. You need to be present. Hey, this is a vacation. This is family. And then it took about two or three days, and then I'd finally take a deep breath, and we'd enjoy maybe the last three or four mm -hmm. days of the vacation. But, but I w I've always felt guilty about that and uh, neglecting the family a little bit and, and being truly present. And even you know, during the season or whatever, you come home and the boys were younger and and instead of just truly diving into them and enjoying them, uh, there was a lot of times when I was consumed, you know, and and I hated that, but it's like I couldn't control it, you know. I don't know, I, I you know, I was, I was always wound a little bit tight, um, 
and always had a lot of edge to me. And, but I'll tell you what, my wife, Laura, was, she's incredible. And she always said, we need balance. You need balance. She, I couldn't have done this without her. I would have, you know, not made it through maybe, but she was always with me and supporting me. Even when I was getting a little cockeyed or out of, out of whack, she'd bring me back. And uh, she had a tremendous feel for what I was feeling and, and what I needed to have helped me. And she was always there to help me and talk about balance and have more balance in your life. And the last, I'd say the last probably 10 years, maybe 12 years, we were stayed. I got a lot better at it. And, and I think when I found more balance uh, as a parent, as a husband, uh, I think I coach better. I, I do. I think I coach better. And uh, I think I, I relaxed a little bit more and, and it helped me. You know, uh, um, it was 16 years ago that Jerry Graybill brought you in to, to be the head coach. I'm sure you had uh, a plan for the program laid out. Had you pretty much hit on what you had planned to do? You know, I think so. Uh, what I really wanted when Ann Milner and Jerry, uh, you know, they hired me, and I was really fortunate. I think I've said this many times, but I wasn't the best candidate. I mean, I, would, I didn't even, wasn't going to apply for the job. I remember it's like 11 o'clock at night. We're down in Draper. I'm at the University of Utah. And the deadline to apply was midnight. And I had applied to, like, that year Idaho State was open, Montana State was open, Northern Colorado was open. I tried to get involved in those jobs and couldn't, I didn't get a sniff. And Weaver State was a better job. And so she says, you need to apply for this. And I said, I can't get this one. I'm not, you know, whatever. So she sat down with me and we had to do it on the computer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do all that <laughs> stuff. And so basically we got our application in probably about a half hour before the deadline. Anyway, but they, 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 uh, they took a chance on me at that time um, when I didn't think I was the best candidate. But what I wanted when I talked to Ann and Jerry about was my main goal was, oh, and Ann told me this. Ann said, this is what I want. I want you to win. I want you to graduate kids. I want you to bring good kids in. And I want you to follow the rules. And that's exactly what I told Jerry Graybill in my interview. That's how I want to run a program with, with character, with integrity. I want to have good kids uh, and graduate them. And then I want, to, uh, I want to make sure that we help those kids become successful when they leave here. As far as the goals of like winning this and winning that, it all started with that. And then I wanted to develop a culture uh, based on that stuff. That this is when people look at our program, they're going to see this high character, integrity, kids that work really hard, kids that do it together, kids that will take a bullet for each other. And then kids that aren't going to mess up and be in the newspapers. And in 16 years, we've never had a kid in the newspaper. And kids that are going to graduate and know that getting their degree is really important. That's one of the main reasons you're here. And, and then the other part of our culture was relationships. You know, I, I wanted to have really strong relationships with our players and because I knew I was going to coach them hard and I was going to tell them the truth and you can't do that unless you have those genuine relationships. That's where the trust comes in. And uh, that's how that's really what I wanted out of the program. And then I thought if we can do that, we're going to win, you know, and you don't always have to have the best talent. You're going to find ways to win. And and that's what ended up happening. And, and I think our culture got us through the tough times. We had a lot of years where we had major injuries and we weren't as good, you know, and and we're still found a way to win games. And, and so that's kind of what I wanted. And I, and I can walk away feeling like, hey, we, I tried really hard anyway and gave everything I had to maintain that, that, uh, the culture of our program and the character and integrity of our program. And I hope, 
I feel like we can do that. Something that falls in line to the, the culture thing in regards to your program is uh, uh, whenever you broke a huddle, whether it was practice, whatever, it was always the chant was team together. Where did that come from? You know, I think it was Stu. Uh, I think we started using that up there a little bit, and maybe it wasn't that. No, Stu had a different one, but when I came here, you know, our whole thing here was going to be we are going to be together. And, you know, I'm a mentality coach, not an X's and O's coach. There's coaches, I think, are two ways. Some guys just, they're X's and O's, and that's what they live and breathe. I'm, I'm a mentality guy where my whole thought process is, is the mentality side of the game. Are we together? Are we tough enough? Are we competitive enough? Do we have guys that will take a bullet for each other? That's what I thought of, think about when I think about my team, not the play we're going to run or this play or that play or what defense. That's what I've always been about. I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a great X's and O guy. I never have been. But I told my team, and, and I, 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 I think I know what it takes to win. And if we, if we are together and we are tough and we are competitive and we have good guys in the program that are, that are really, the chemistry's really good, we can run flex offense for 40 minutes and find a way to win games. That's the way I've always approached mm -hmm. it. But, so I, it's all about togetherness with us. And, uh, and so I remember we got here and I thought about it a little bit. What, what do we want to be about? We want to be together. Let's keep it simple, team together. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where it came from. You know, I think that that first season will always be a special season because of what was accomplished here. I think you were picked pretty low in the conference. You're a brand new coach. Lost a whole bunch of guys. You had, what, nine guys lost? And you win the league, which is pretty remarkable. And you may say that, you know, those teams may not have been as talented as some of the others, but somehow you, you pulled it off and won the league and went to the NCAA tournament. What a year that was. Yeah, that was that was pretty special um, because we needed to recruit about, it was April 1st and we needed 10 guys. And we'd remove some guys from the program and all that. I remember going down uh, after I kind of got rid of some guys and knew that we needed to bring in some new guys. I remember I was still living in, Draper at the time, and I drove home, and Laura says, uh, how'd it go today? And I says, oh, it was good. She goes, uh, so what, what ended up happening? I says, well, just so you know, we only got, we got three guys in the program. And uh, she says, well, don't you need at least five to play a game? And I says, yeah, we do. I said, so I'm going to leave, and I'll be, you know, I'll be back in a month. We've got to go get 10 guys. But, and there wasn't a lot left over. It's not like the transfer portal now mm -hmm. where pretty much slim pickings trying to find guys. So I told my staff, I says, we're not going to find the most talented guys. So we need to find guys that I think are Weber State guys. We need to find high character, toughness, competitive, and guys that will just fight for each other. And let's get the best talent that we can find having those intangibles along with it. And my staff did a great job, and we came, uh, we went and got 10. And we couldn't even get them here for the summer. Um, because we had guys that were trying to get eligible where they're at and they had to stay back and so the first time we got them together uh the first time i saw them together was basically around september 1st when school started and i remember we couldn't well we couldn't get into the d and we went to another gym and did some workouts and stuff and and uh for the first time the very first time i watched them i looked at my staff and i says oh my god <laughs> we look like the bad news bears <laughs> And uh, it, it scared me. I had no idea what would come. But I tell you what, they, this, that team just bought into our culture. And, and I think deep down, they, they knew that we weren't great talent-wise. So we had one chance, and that's to be really together and fight like crazy and do it for each other. And boy, oh boy, they just kept getting better and better and better and to the point where 
they got to the point where they thought, hey, we can win. We can win every game. And, uh, and I do remember uh, that night when we, we won the championship, we were going to the tournament, and I was in bed, and I woke up at like 3 in the morning, and it hit me. I was like, gosh, people are going to want this every year. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all good. And, uh, yeah, that was a special team. Really close to, I'm still really close to all those guys. Paul said something earlier about to be able to ask you questions that you would, might be able to answer now that you wouldn't as a head coach. So I'm going to throw one at you right now. Obviously, uh, part of the uh, uh, game is, is the travel and the schedule and all that. Uh, what was the one place in the big sky when you got the schedule? Says, oh, we got to go there then. What's your least favorite place to go in the, in the conference? And maybe on the nice side, your, your favorite place to go for a road game. You know, I always like going to Portland State because I like the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd always played well there. And, but we, we stayed right there at the Marriott downtown, yep. and it was so different than all the other places. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a little smaller. And so I always kind of look forward to that trip because of the place we're going to stay. And we always took the kids to the Adidas outlet and let them have some fun. And, and we always played well over there. Um, so I kind of always look forward to that one. Uh, be honest with you, I, in Montana's are the hardest trips, but I always look forward to them mm -hmm. because it was the biggest challenge. And, uh, you know, we had pretty decent success up there. Um, the one that was, and nothing against them or anything, it's just the, the Northern Arizona trip. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it's hard to get there. And you'd go, and a lot of times it'd be the second game of a road trip. So you'd be in Sacramento or Portland State, and then you had to, fly into Phoenix and drive up the hill and you had no time to prepare and and the uh, the dome was always you know it's really quiet mm -hmm. and and there wasn't a great atmosphere and it was dark in there and all that kind of stuff and so you always wondered if your team was going to be ready to play and and I'll tell you what we had a lot of success down there and I don't know I don't know why, but we always seem to play well down there. But I never really looked forward to that one a whole lot, you know. Especially when it was paired with Cedar City. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Right in and, between. and I'll tell you what, I never, I, I, I never looked forward to Cedar City much. Um, <laughs> nothing against them. They, you know, they, they did a great job and got good and all that stuff. It was just, whenever you walked in there, it felt like, I remember when I was at Colorado State, we played Air Force all the time, and it felt like every time we went there, your team was running in mud. We didn't have the same juice, the same energy. And we went down to Cedar City many times. Even when I was at Utah State and we played down there, it was the same thing. It was like, and then when I got the job here, we went down there. It seemed like we just played slow. And we just didn't have that same juice. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they got us a few times down there. And I was like, God. And you always said something strange was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Every game down there, something weird was going to happen. Whether it was in the game or even before the game, something weird was going to happen. It did. And I felt that way. And it seemed like something always did. You know, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. It was, and it was just a weird environment for me. And I don't know why. So, yeah, Cedar wasn't one of my favorite places in northern Arizona, mostly because of the travel. Mm -hmm. Each year, we're almost every year, we're right there in the thick of, the, of a big sky race and getting close to it. And us as media people and, and fans, we're always like, okay, if we beat this team, if we beat this team, this team loses. You always said, I never pay attention to that stuff. I never look at the standings. Now, is that really true? And did you kind of know what the most of those standing scenarios, did you pay attention to that at all? Oh, I knew. I knew you knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew. Of course I knew. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was some coach speak going on and trying to convince myself not to worry but about it. Yes, I did. I knew where we were all the time. And one thing you always got to, you know, I was always careful with our team. You know, what 
we got to stay in the moment. We got to, you know, because you can look ahead and say, God, if we win this game or this game and they lose this game and they lose, we're there. And then you forget about the job at hand. That was always my mm-hmm. biggest fear that we were going to overlook something and not be ready to play. And, and then all that stuff in the future doesn't matter. Right. And that's the truth, obviously. So I really tried to just kept that same message all the way through with the team is we just got, we got, you know, if we just take care of today, our, our two goals that we had as a team were, we're going to get better every day and win our next game. You know, at the beginning of the season, we all knew what our goal was. We wanted to win the league. We wanted to do this, we wanted to do that. But that's all we talked about during the season is get better every day and, and try to win our next game. And I said, if we will do that, you're going to love the results. You're going to love where you're at at the end of the season. And so I just tried to keep the team focused on, hey, one day at a time. And but oh hell yeah, I knew I knew exactly where we're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And I give the media the same old talk. And I knew they they're smart enough. They're, the media's probably smarter than me, but that they're like, oh, yeah, 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 he knows what's going on. So no, I definitely did. So after losses, I mean What's it like after those losses? Because Steve had to interview you several times after some tough losses. Those were tough, probably. You had to come in the media room and look like there's a million places you'd rather be than that right there. But yeah. and you have to kind of switch, you know, flip that switch and, and talk. But what were those emotions like after you know you, you could have won this game, you lose it? What was it like? Hard. Yeah. I I I'm a bad loser. And uh, my wife told me she he says you're the worst loser I've ever been around but and this is maybe really bad to say but I uh, I hated losing almost more than I liked winning I mean and that's not I'm sure that's really healthy but it just hit me hard and I remember when I was playing college baseball in uh, at uh, Buena Vista College and I was really close to my head coach and I I was the worst loser I mean we lose a, a game or whatever I did not handle it well and he spent his time trying to help me <laughs> be better at, you know, when you do lose, hey, you got to, you know, balance out, whatever it is. And so it was really hard. It was really, really hard. And uh, it was hard to do those, you know, but I always said to myself, you know, you got to take the good times and the bad times and you got to do it the right way. And there's many times I did not want to, I'm sorry. No, I'm not, I understand. Not you because you're, you're, you're terrific. But I didn't want to go out there. But I always, then I had to regroup, talk to the team regroup and say hey it's not all you know you gotta it's it's fun to talk to to you when we win mm-hmm. hey, you gotta take the good with the bad you gotta accept it and you gotta go out there and man up and you gotta go do it and, and i always tried to do that and uh i don't think i've skipped one I think, no you didn't no you didn't I, I think i skipped a couple when we had some tournaments mm-hmm. and i had to go yeah to you had to do some things stuff, but yeah but, nothing because of that i know i know the headsets took a beating a couple <laughs> yeah. of times but other than that yeah, it yeah. was fine yeah um you know how difficult was it now that you look back on it these last three years coaching during the COVID era it was it was tough it was tough it drained you it was really hard and you know during that that main COVID year a couple of years ago it, it wasn't as much about coaching your team as, as it was I was so concerned about mental health and it was real it was real you know these kids are locked up they have no social life they're not really college students and they're in that basically bubbled up and they had practice and back and that was all they had and and it was difficult and I was so you know I thought at that I t- told my staff I says we have got to be as close to these guys as we've ever been and our antenna's got to be up if we see a, a certain kid that normally acts a certain way we've got to be aware that he's not acting a certain way and we got to look for kids that might be down a little bit uh, 
you know, worried about depression, anxiety, whatever it might be. And so, I mean, we, and, and that team did a great job with it. I mean, we had very few cases and, but I think I met with more guys that year individually than I ever have. And I always meet with guys individually, mm -hmm. but that year it was, I told myself and my staff, before every practice, I'm going to touch every kid. I'm going to talk to them. After every practice, I'm going to talk to every kid. And it got draining. It did. And, and I'd go home at night and my worry was, God, are we going to get COVID? Are the kids doing okay? Are they handling this fine? I was so concerned about them and making sure that they were healthy. Um, I think, you know, we had a good year, you know, 17-5 mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And, you know, we had a chance to win. If we didn't lose that last game, you know, we have a chance mm -hmm. to tie for the championship. Mm -hmm. And so I was really proud of them. And then the next year, you know, it got better, mm -hmm. but it was still a little bit of a factor. But it 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 drained it drained me a little bit, and uh, I don't know it drained my staff as well because we really were really concerned about them. And, and I was proud of that team because they they got through it, even through all the cancellations and the ups and downs and all the stuff at the last minute that was happening, especially senior night. That mm -hmm, one hurt, mm -hmm. you know. And I really felt for those kids. There were some kids that were crying in the locker room because they couldn't play on senior night. Whew, yeah, that was hard. Stuff. That was hard because I love these guys to death. Well, just a few more questions with retiring mm -hmm. coach Randy Ray. We've talked about some of the tough ones, but let's talk about some of the some of the, the best memories. I mean, you've won 316 games, so it's impossible to, to pick one or, or two even. But there's got to be a few games that you think back and you think, "What a, that was a fun win or a special moment." Yeah, what yeah. Well, I'll be honest, all the championships, you know, when you won a game, that one that, that secured the championship, those those were really good wins, obviously. And we had some years where we won championships where it wasn't close at the end and we got we had enough of a lead. So, But it was the ones that, you know, you're coming down to the wire. And we had some battles with Montana going on for three or four years where we're 15-1, and one, there's 15-0 and 0 a couple times because they had great teams back then. And it's coming out of the wire, and you needed them to lose a game, and and we'd win the game, and and I can't remember exactly who we played to do that, but those were those were fun memories, and we had a couple of years where we finished second, and we were sixteen and two, or mm -hmm. two years in a row. Yeah, and they were seventeen and one, yeah. and it's like, what more can we do? And those were tough, but but winning, you know, the tournaments obviously when we won the ones to go to the NCAA tournament were huge games, and. I do remember those, and you know I, what stands out to me. We 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 won a tournament in Florida with Jeremy and Joel, and I didn't know. And we going into that tournament, we had it. We went to South Dakota State, mm -hmm. and we I, we we got our butts handed to us, and we looked like one of the worst teams in Division One basketball. And I had some issues with guys, and I sat guys, and I was, I had to get our team right, and then we had to turn around and go down to that tournament. And I remember making a change in the lineup. It was McKay Cannon. We had McKay, and we put him in the starting lineup. But anyway, it was a lot of uncertainty going into that tournament. And I thought, this is a good tournament. You know, if we don't play well, we can get we can lose three games in a row. And we caught fire, and Jeremy Singlin caught fire. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the best three games tournaments that I've ever seen a kid have. And we got rolling, and it was so much fun. I mean, we were playing great, and the whole team was playing great, and we we found that togetherness. And I said, this is going to be a good team. This is going to be a really good team. We ended up having a great year, winning the league. That's the year we went to the tournament. Beat Montana right. and Reno in that exciting. And I remember mm -hmm. that game yeah. mm -hmm. uh, that specifically. Was that was a really – because they were good. Mm -hmm. And we would had to win a game uh, 
North, we, we could have lost every game going up to that championship game. I remember playing Portland State in the first game, and uh, Singleton played really well, and uh, we had to make an adjustment late in the game. They had a really good player, and we, we told McKay, I think it was McKay or somebody, go double-team the post. We haven't done, done it the whole game, but if we don't double-team this guy, we're up one, there's a chance to, and, and then we stole the ball. And we got through that game. I think Jeremy had a big shot in that game too, if I remember right. But and then we had another tough game. North Dakota. Jeremy went crazy, and uh, and then the finals was. You know, we got off to a great start. We were playing loose, and my whole thing was with the team. Let's go have some fun tonight. We've earned it, you know, and try to keep them loose. And and of course they come back, and then we ran a little side OB play. I remember we we were up one. And there's, I don't know how many seconds there were, maybe 10 seconds or so. And we did diagram to play. And I told Dusty, hey, you go around here. And I, told, I can't remember who's taking the ball out. It might have been Ryan or somebody. But anyway, I said, if Dusty's open, throw it to him. There's a chance because they're going to switch. And they're going to get screwed up on this switch. And he might be open. And Dusty came around the top of that stack we had. And he was, and they threw it to him. We laid it up. And. And uh, and then they came down and they had a shot to make a three and Joel Ballenboy recovered and blocked mm -hmm, the shot. Mm -hmm. I, I specifically remember that. Those were, those were fun games. You know, in my seven years, the one non-tournament game that stands out more than any other was Dave Rose's last year, and it was a track meet at the D. You guys won 113 to 103. <laughs> yeah. You probably never had a game before that like that or one like that since. That was, yeah, there was not a lot of defense being played. <laughs> and uh, our guys... It was it was a track meet, and, and they couldn't stop us, and we couldn't stop them. And uh, it was basically whoever had the ball last was probably going to win the game, kind of one of those deals. And offensively, we were just on it. And uh, we got to the rim, and they were good, and we couldn't stop them. But uh, I, that was that – was, I've never been involved in a game like that. And, and we came out on top, which was really fun to, to finally beat those guys because we had trouble against those guys, you know. Mm -hmm. But – and I'll tell you what, there's one other game that stands out to me was Damien's freshman year mm -hmm. against Northern Colorado at home. And uh, he hit, we ran a play for Kellen McCoy, and uh, we were down three. And we ran a play, yeah, for, for Kellen. They took Kellen out because Kellen was playing great. Damien ended up, uh, ended up with the ball, and he just called for a ball screen, and he came off that thing. It was right in front of me on the bench. And they, the guy went under the ball screen. And Damien stepped back from about 22 feet as a freshman and just nailed it. And uh, we go to overtime. We end up winning the game in overtime. And I'll never forget that shot. That's when mm -hmm. I told my guys after the game, I said, we got a pretty special one here. Because mm -hmm. not only is he really good, um, he's got the, uh, I shouldn't say, I probably can't say, he's, he's got the cojones. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And then, and then the, the one where Scott Banforth hit the, the, right. the half-court shot. And Damien's limping on the floor. He's limping after him, running after him. And uh, Scotty says, uh, and he kind of, he told some teammates, I guess. I didn't hear it. He says, I'm going to make this because I ran a play for him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. And he did make it. That was, <laughs> that was pretty cool, too. Speaking of Damien in overtime, the other one that comes out to my mind is the triple overtime game when he hits the runner in the lane with a half second to go to win at Idaho State. I, yeah. I, I tell people today, if he hadn't made that shot, we'd still be playing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was a heck of a game we had going on, and and he made he made that play. I still specifically remember that shot and made that little runner, and uh, that wasn't one of his best shots. Mm -hmm. He's still working on his pull-up game, but 
But yeah, he had he had not only was he really good, but he had like I said, he had the kahunas to take any big shot, you know, that he had to make. You know, you talked also this week about the relationship with players, which is the, the biggest thing that you had and that you'll keep. And we just mentioned a handful of guys, Jeremy and Joel and Daniel. Those are the star guys, but so many of them that you've had throughout the years that you still have that relationship with. And that's what makes it special for you, wasn't it? It, it really was. That's what it's all about to me. I look back now and, and it's all about the relationships. That's what I'm really going to miss is just hanging out with the guys and then popping in my office. And we talk about everything other than basketball and just really getting to know the kids and on the in the airports and just just and and with my staff as well just having them in my house and having the players to my house and having fun and and that's what uh that's what's really going to mean the most to me and it's so fun over the last couple of days to to receive all the text messages and voice messages from my players and and everybody that's been close to you you know and you know people remember obviously damien was great and so you think about those guys you know i'm not even going to start to mention all my guys because i'm going to leave a bunch of guys out but those guys, I am going to mention a few. You know, Kyle Bullinger sent me a great text the other day, and he's always been special to me. He was one of the first recruits that we got. And uh, his tough, he wasn't the most talented guy, but his toughness and competitive, he's what I was about. But there's a ton of those. And there's a lot of guys that, that didn't, you know, maybe have all the accolades coming through. And I love those guys as much as, you know the guys that had all the 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 press and the guys that had the accolade, uh, accolades and and even to hear from guys that I cut, it's amazing how many text messages I got from guys that I had to get rid of our program, and to hear that you know hey that it was the best thing that happened to them and thank you for this and thank you for that, to me that's what really whew, that gets me mm -hmm. that gets yeah. me. You know, and so that's what's special. And I know there's a, uh, a chunk of your heart because I always bring it up once a year during the pregame show. Chunk of your heart to the walk-ons, the guy who uh, grinded out as the scout team, a guy like a, a Brendan Morris who still hangs around the program a little bit. Absolutely, those guys are special to me too. I mean, and Brendan was really he stuck stuck around here for four years. And and one thing I've, I've we always tried to do was uh, in our program was there's nobody above anybody else. We, we're going to coach everybody the same, treat everybody the same. Walk-ons are going to be coached as hard as the, the guys that are playing. Nobody gets star treatment around here. It doesn't matter who you are, and I think we, we did that. And I wanted those walk-ons, the managers, everybody to feel as much about, strong about our program and feel that they were as important to us to win. We needed them to win as much as those other guys who were on the court because you know how that goes. You know, you get in the locker room, and even walk-ons can start mm – -hmm. And so I, we made it a point to coach those guys and let them know how important they and they were um, to prepare our guys and and they did a great job and and uh, they needed to feel that they were as big a part of it as as those guys that were out there on the court and we really tried to do that with them and and we're really thankful for those guys. That's what's been so fun about those alumni games. Obviously, it's fun to watch Damian, but it's fun to watch the guys that maybe can't play quite as much anymore, but you love hanging around with those guys yeah. and, and just being with them. That's what's fun. And even the guys I didn't coach. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Eddie Gills, the Jermaine Boyex, the DeGraffenries, and Ryans, and Harold, and yeah. all those guys. I mean, I got to know those guys really well. And and uh, I thought it was really important when I got here that, that I reached out to a lot of those, not not just the ex-players. I wanted them to, to feel a part of our program, even though I didn't coach them, and how important they were to the legacy and the tradition of Weber State. And they are. They're everything. 
And so I really made it a point to get to know those guys and let them know that they're, they're part of things. And not only that, but one of the first things I did was uh, when I got the job was reach out to all the coaches. You know, obviously, and I was really good friends with Joe Cravens, who's a tremendous basketball coach and a great friend. And uh, the Ron Beglins, I got to know him really well. We became really good friends. And uh, everybody that used to coach here, you know, I reached out to each and every one of them to let them know that, hey, uh, thanks for everything you've done for Weber State. And, and if it's okay that I lean on them, because, I've, you know, it's, it's a burden when you, the legacy of coaches and the players that have come through here, you know, it kind of gets to you. So I, I needed some help. And uh, those guys are tremendous. You know, uh, uh, we've talked a lot about the past. Let's look ahead now to the future. You've mentioned in the press conferences you're really not sure what's ahead for you other than the vacation. I know that uh, from what I understand, you're practicing uh, and working out for the Tour of Italy on your bicycle. Uh, a trip I know you were going to take two years ago, but COVID got in the way. But yeah. uh, uh, So if you see uh, a guy riding around a bike a lot in the Ogden area here, it's because uh, Randy's getting ready for the uh, uh, Tour of Italy trip. Absolutely. I'm still practicing. I mean, I got to practice today. Mm -hmm. And Laura's got me on a schedule, but we, we've, we, she got me into to, to road biking mm -hmm. a few years ago, and, and I've really, she's, she's a machine. My gosh, is she good, but she got me going. We went on a, a bike tour of France a few years ago, and it's really the first time I got on one and loved it, loved it. We went through wine country, and of course, I'm good at that part of it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, we were supposed to go to Italy uh, at COVID, that got canceled, and so we got set up. You know, we, we had to set up before I was retiring. Uh, so we got to get some time in the saddle, as she calls it, <laughs> so that we can get our rear ends ready and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, you know, it happened fast. We, we really don't know exactly what the future is going to hold, but that's kind of the exciting part, too. Mm -hmm. We're going to go on some trips. We love to travel, and we love Europe. And uh, we've been to Prague, and we've been to France, and now we're getting to Italy. And, and uh, we're going to travel a lot because we both love it and uh, we're going to go on some trips this summer as far as what's going to where we're going to be down the road i'm not 100 percent sure you know we're just going to figure it out as we go i know we'll be here throughout the summer and probably a little bit longer and if something hits us maybe we can go but we got the freedom to do that That's now right. and the one thing i do want to do uh we talked been talking about this laura brought it up um, and she says what we want to do is spend time over in europe you know, we get to see Damien all the time mm -hmm. when he's here, but we want to go to Europe and see all of our ex-players play. And uh, to me, I'm really excited about mm -hmm. that. You know, I can't start naming them because we've got a lot of guys that are doing really well over there. But even the new guys that just left our program, Kobe and JJ mm -hmm. and Dante and all the guys are going to be over there and they're going to have great careers. IB, you know, mm -hmm. Isaiah. But the Jeremys, the Joels, sure. the Trez, uh, everybody, Scotty, you know, and just spend time seeing them. Um, the one connecting thing on these on these different trips, and I have a, a, we have a mutual friend that let me know that it's not something you've done all your life, but in recent years you have become a, a wine connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm a connoisseur, <laughs> but I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it helps me relax a little bit, but I actually enjoy. You know, who got me on wine was uh, uh, Ray Giacoletti. He's an Italian guy through and through now. Mm -hmm. And when we were at Utah, we used to go to his, he lived closer than I did to campus. And I had, I lived in Draper, so the traffic was always really bad and I wanted to wait for the traffic to slow down. So we'd go to his house and watch practice film and get ready for the next day's practice. And uh, he'd, he'd have a glass of wine and I didn't really like it that much. And so I'd sip a little bit and, and he was, he, he, he knew his wines. Mm -hmm. And so 
he kind of got me hooked on a little bit. And I, I don't go crazy on him, but mm -hmm. I like to sip it and I like to enjoy it. And uh, to this day, we talk about uh, me and Ray. We talk about wine and stuff, and you know, and uh, Ray's going to be re retiring as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've talked a lot about that. We're going to get together and. Maybe I enjoy a bottle now and then. What, what do you think, Paul? He's going to come back from his trip with purple feet. He's going to go to one of those uh, wineries and uh, do the foot stomping into the grapes. I don't think I can go that far. <laughs> but, uh, I do know that in Italy we're going to we're going to be able to find some pretty good stuff. I think. I would think so. Yeah, that and food. Yeah, yeah. All the foods. <laughs> I've I've heard from other people that food's outstanding, and and then like I said, we're going to get back from there. and We're just going to kind of figure it out. But uh, you know, I, I, the other thing too is it's it's. Uh, you know, we, we really tried to become involved in the community here mm -hmm. because they've been really great to me. And, uh, you know, we've tried to give them back. You know, Laura and I got that golf tournament going on mm -hmm. with cystic fibrosis, and we want to continue to do that and raise some money. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I just want to go hang out with the community now mm -hmm. and go hang out and play some mm -hmm. golf. And, and the community's been great to me, and it's just been a great fit uh, for me and my family throughout the years. I said we're almost done. I got two more questions. I want yeah. you to, to ask you about Eric Duft. When you first met him, knew him, and found out about him, and you hired him in your first staff, and and how prepared is he for to become head coach? Oh, he's he's more than ready. He's been ready for a long time, and he's been with me 16 years. And uh, you know, he's had opportunities, but he just he's a Weber guy. You know, he felt like I felt this is a good fit for him and his family, and he's been as crucial you know to our success as anybody. And um, you know, I, that was one of the things when I decided to hang it up was, you know, I was really hopeful and try to help him get the job because nobody deserves it more. And uh, I didn't have to do much. Our administration, they, they, they saw what Eric is and, and how good he is. And so uh, it, they didn't hesitate much to, to give him the mm -hmm. job, which is awesome. But he's going to be terrific. And uh, he's a really good basketball coach. He's really bright. Uh, but he is a much better person and family man than he is, and that's what Weaver's about. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's just going to continue to to move forward the the program forward. And I know he's going to, you know, he's going to do it his way. You know, he we talked about it the other day, and he said, you know, hey, I said you can call me anytime you need anything, but he's not going to need me. Mm -hmm. He he's his own man. He's really good. You know, I, what I need to do is get out of the way and let those guys kind of, you know, finish up the recruiting and get going with their program. So I'm going to stay out of their way, but I'm always here. If they ever need something, I'm a phone call away, and, and I'll help him out with anything he needs. But his future's bright, and Weber State basketball is in really good hands. Do you remember when you first met him? I mean, he was only he was in his early 30s when you hired him on your first staff. But... Yeah, yeah. You know how I, when I first got the job, I already had him in mind. I'd, I'd, he was assistant coach at Hutchison Junior College, and I'd been out there recruiting with Tim Duria, right? who's a really good friend of mine. And so I always had, and I got to know him a little bit through that, and I always thought he's a quality guy, good basketball coach, and character and everything I was looking for. And, uh, and then him and Jeff Linder, you know, I knew that those are the two guys. Uh, so those were the first. Actually, when I thought I was going to get the job, I reached out to them to see if they'd have interest. And they both did, and uh, so I was able to get them on board right away, which is really crucial to us. And and obviously, you know, Jeff is just killing it right mm -hmm. now. He's I knew he was headed for great things, really smart, good basketball coach, and he's doing a great job at Wyoming. And and Steve Smiley, who was with mm -hmm. me too, uh, I'm really proud of him. You know, I got three guys that have been that are head coaches now that worked over here. The coaching tree. 
exactly. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's not huge, but it's. I'm proud of those guys, and Steve's doing a really good job. And now Eric gets his opportunity, and but uh, yeah, he Eric was young and brought him in here, and he's everything I'd hoped he'd be, and and then some, to be honest with you. And he's earned the right to be in the position he is right now. Well, all I can say is I know the Weber State community thanks you for 16 great years, but me personally, uh, the last seven years being a part, a small part of your program uh, and, and being with the team for the last seven seasons is really a, a career highlight for me. And I want to thank you for everything you've helped me with. Well, I appreciate that. And you got, you're a pro's pro, you know, and I had Carl before. Right. Carl was a pro's yep. pro yep. and you had some big shoes to fill. And you filled them admirably, believe me. <laughs> I heard from Carl the other day, too. God bless him. But, you know, the other thing is, there's, you talk, you know, the administration's been wonderful to me and, and everything they've done for me and my family and support our program, they're, they're off the charts. But there's some other guy. Joel Bass. Mm -hmm. I, I need to mention Joel Bass because in 16 years, he's been as important to me as anybody. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a wonderful sounding board to me. Whenever I get frustrated, I can go to him. He always knew what was going on with the kids. Joel's as good as, I've never been around a guy as good as him. Mm -hmm. And he's been tremendous. And he's been there every step of the way. He's just behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you know, but he sees everything, he knows yeah. everything, he knows our players. And he's been wonderful for me to, to help support me through all the tough times, that, when we had tough times and all the good times too. And, and, uh, and Paul. You've been all unbelievable. Um, you and, you know, Brad before you, Brad's my guy. And uh, the job that you have done for us, uh, your loyalty to us and everything that you've done for our program, I can't thank you enough. And uh, it's those guys, it's you guys that, that make our program. And, and the thing, you guys fit our culture of what I wanted our culture to be. And, and so I thank you guys for everything you've done. And Robert. And Robert. <laughs> and Robert is the man. Robert Casey. He's been with me the whole time. Or been mm -hmm. here the whole time. And he is uh, he's about as good a pro as you can be at this at his profession. And, well, we, and we, the good thing about Paul is he hasn't come close to a technical like his predecessor, like Brad. Brad was got kicked out on the night and we honored him his last night. Well, yeah. Brad's crazy. <laughs> all he wants to talk about is the officials. That's all he wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you guys are you guys are all loyal soldiers, loyal you know, soldiers. And think of the places that you've gone to coach games: Alaska to the Bahamas to the Virgin Islands to Florida to Oklahoma, Northern Iowa. I mean, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Yeah, I know you, you don't know, get out and see sights when you're there usually, but, but you did a little bit. I remember being on a trip with you at Virgin Islands, and we went out and sailing. Kind of and got our, went snorkeling with our kids snorkeling. and the kids got exactly. sick. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. Not like that at all. He did not like that. Hated it. Uh, that kids so kids fun. got, they Those got, just fun memories. they are really good memories. And uh, God, what, one just popped into my head and I can't remember which one it was. You've, you've been all over the place. Yeah, we've been all, oh, you know the game that stands out in Northern, Northern Iowa? Northern Iowa. Yeah, 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 yeah. We went over there and the travel was horrible. We've been playing a lot of games in this tournament forever and they were really good. And I remember we're playing our tails off. Scotty, Davion Barry, Jordan Richardson, yeah. uh, Mook. Mook yeah. uh, and uh, I remember the game's in the second half, and we're like up by six, and it's anybody's game. Dev Barry's taking the ball out in front of me, and he looks at me and says, Coach, this is awesome. I love this <laughs> stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And we ended up winning the game. Mm -hmm. and 30 wins that year. We got 30 that, that 30 year, years. yeah, and it was uh, it was the year after Damian left. Yeah, and uh, that was such a that was a special team, and 
There was a chance that Damien, how about that? There was a chance Damien would have been on that team had he decided to stay. Mm, wow. Whew, that would have been a good one. But, uh, I guess but yeah. he made my choice. I think he did all okay. good. I think he's doing <laughs> no, fine. It's been fun to be a part of it in all the different places that we've gone. And yeah, it has. Obviously, there's good and bad that comes with going to those games, but they're, they're fun experiences and mm. memories. The Bahamas, you've been there a couple of times. A couple, a couple of times, times yeah, yeah, with the Alaska trip, the second to last ever uh, Great Alaska yeah, Shootout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sunrise at 9.30 and sunset at 4. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those are great experiences mm -hmm. you put your kids through, and those sure. are things that they're always going to remember. Mm -hmm. And we've always tried to, when we had those trips, is... You know, expose those guys to the culture that we're in and see everything, and and I think they got a they they got a kick out of that. But yeah, you start thinking about those. It's been been fun times. Mm -hmm. We're gonna give you the last word. I know you've had some chances to leave, and you were close to leaving, probably. You can talk about those if you want to. But what has it meant to you over the last 16 years to be the head coach at Weber State and the experiences you've had? Oh, it's been an incredible honor and privilege for me to be here for 16 years and to do it this long and. And uh, like I said, when I got the job, I, I, I was a little bit shocked that I got the job and they could have gone a different direction. And for Jerry Graybill and Ann to, to see enough to, to hire me. But it's, it's an honor, a privilege, but it's a responsibility that I took really seriously about trying to uphold the tradition of Weber State and maybe grow it a little bit and, and do it the right way. A, a, run a program that the university can be proud of, the community can be proud of with really good kids did it to do it the right way. And every day I wake up, I, you know, first of all, I couldn't wait to wake up every day, mm. pop out of bed and go be the head coach at Weber State. Uh, it meant everything to me. And, and uh, it's just been, it's been tremendous. And yeah, I've had chances to, and I've been tempted. There's no question. There's been three or four opportunities that, that, you know, we could have gone some other place. And, and the thing that Laura and I would always talk about was, are we happy? And, uh, and we, were, we always came up with the same answer. We're happy here. Um, you know, money can't buy happiness. And we could have gone places and made a lot more money and higher levels and all that. But I just kept going back to that. And I loved being the coach here. I love, it was such a great fit for me. The university, uh, the community, I'm a blue collar guy. That's all I've ever been. And that's what I feel like this place has been. And, and, uh, and it's just kind of fit. It fit, we wanted to raise our family in this kind of community. And uh, so every time something came up, it, we just kept coming back to, we're really happy. Why would we mess with that? And, uh, and that's, that's something that we've, you know, and, and the, the university, the way they've treated us and the community, the way they've treated us, it's just been, it's been a good, for me, it, it was a wonderful fit. And, uh, and I've just, I've loved my time here and, and so thankful and grateful that, uh, that everybody you know, the community and the administration, everybody allowed me to stay here this long.